Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Kansas City Royals. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. Dan, I got to start this episode just by saying, folks, I get that if you're listening to this, you're a Twins fan. Mm-hmm. I am also a Twins fan, as is evident. You would have to be a crazy person as a fan of baseball to be watching the Twins play the Royals with all of the games that actually matter in the American League this day. But this and was a great t- game. David, okay, the Twins have got a win here. They avoided right, 90 right. losses. You could, you could watch the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Blue Jays or the Mariners or the all-important rubber game between the, the, <laughs> the last-place Minnesota Twins and the Kansas City Royals. Dan hey, Thompson. your, your last-place Minnesota Twins just ended the year winning 8 out of 12. So let's be what, careful who we slight and- here. The Royals, yes. the Tigers, the Cubs, and the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays, they split with the Blue Jays. Oh, Four Dan. Games. Oh, and they Dan. won the you... first two of them. It could have been so much better, David. How often do you and Dick Bramer hang out, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> he, he said some pretty hopeful things here at the end of, of this game here. By the way, as watching it, there was like a, a child seemingly whose voice was getting picked up by the microphone, and he was kind of doing a little bit of commentary as we went. Brilliant stuff. I just love <laughs> well, when that kind of things happen. It's way better than like the cursing 50-year-old man, <laughs> who, you know, who gets picked up sometimes. Yes. Loved it. Childhood jubilance. Just waiting for Salvador Perez to get another at bat. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, Twins do come away with the series victory for whatever that matters to you. They come away with two of three. Let's go ahead and jump into the recap. Series recap. I can't believe you're being so negative here, David. They won. They won this series. Okay. So you want me just so I understand <laughs> your your thinking is I should be just happy go lucky because this terrible season ended with a season victory against the 74 and 86 Kansas City <laughs> Royals as, as of the start of All game right. one. Well, we'll get to it. I have more optimism later, but the Twins, so they, they lose actually game one here. Um, they lose it 11 to six. They fall behind four nothing. Can't really recover. Uh, John Gant, whose ERA is only 4.09, gives up only. six runs in four innings. Well, but only on this staff. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not that bad. I suppose, but 28 <laughs> hits down in total between the two teams. That is a lot of hits to be given up in any sort of baseball game. It is. But again, as you reminded us, these are two teams that won games somewhere in the 70s. So maybe not the best teams in baseball, as it turns out. Not not the best, certainly. And this is another one of those games, Dan, where I don't really care if I see any of these pitchers play for the Twins ever again. So <laughs> it went Gant, Farrell, Moran, and Coulomb, which I guess I'm glad they're getting an opportunity in some ways. In another way, it just makes me sick to my stomach that these are the guys we're throwing out on the mound. I think, you know, Coulomb might stick around and think of all the puns that I didn't get to use this year with yeah. Coulomb. So I think <laughs> I want him to stick around here a little bit longer. Between Over and Coulomb, Dan, we're never going to talk about anything on the podcast. 
podcast. It's just you're going to be making puns. I know. You know, we're going to talk about this later, but Buxton had a great series. He had two doubles here to start off this game. Um, Donaldson also had a double. Jefferson hit a home run. So there were some offensive bursts, which, you know, given the pitchers you talked about, I think this was about as good of a, of a game the Twins could have hoped for. Yeah, as you said, Buxton went three for five. Sano actually went three for four as well. Jeffers went two for four. It wasn't terrible from the offensive side of the ball, but they still lose this one 11 to 6. I, I was looking at this. Runners in scoring position, they went 3 for 11, but the Royals went 7 for 17. They had 17 <laughs> opportunities, Dan, with runners in scoring position. That's, yeah, that's a bit much. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Game 2. Game 2 got better. Game 2. Game 2 did on my birthday, not to make a big deal out of that or anything, but Happy a 4 nothing. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. A 4 nothing Twins victory on my birthday. The thing is, the offense never really seemed to get going for the Twins, and yet they keep putting runs up right like it's like one run here one run there one run there so Donaldson had a home run Sano and Buxton each had doubles and other than that it was just kind of dink and dunk until they they got a run across and Griffin Jacks your favorite starter he went five <laughs> innings no runs two walks one hit. I mean this was almost a no hitter I mean it, oh my god <laughs> okay, you have you have devalued no hitters to such an extent that Griffin Jacks Griffin Jacks going five innings pitched only giving up no no earned runs but two walks and three strikeouts is a no-hitter. Well, only, I mean, the Twins only had five base runners allowed in this game. Three hits, two walks, and they only struck out four. This is just like a, is this like 1984? Like, what what time was this coming from here? Whereas the Twins, they did enough. They did. They did. The other note here I thought was interesting. It has to be just because it's the end of the season, but both Thielbar and Duffy pitched more than one inning, which is that just, it's just odd. It's like, okay, well, the season's over. Let's let them, if they're going to pitch, let them pitch as long as they want at this point. Yeah, let's really stretch them out here, getting into that (laughs) offseason. Maybe they're both going to try and come back as starters. You know, they'll probably have a shot, Dan, the way this rotation is shaping up for next season. <laughs> you know, Caleb Thielbar being a starter, I would take a couple innings every five days, I guess. Yeah, well, um, I mean, he can't, he almost can't do worse than some of the starters that have been on no. the mound for the Twins this season. No. Anything more on game two? The thing is, it's really hard to want to recap a series, Dan, that's like... <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? While we're recording this, Dan and I are each watching the scoreboard of the other games because it's far more interesting than what the Twins did against this this Royals squad. Well, then let's go to game three. So game three, the Twins win this one. They score five runs early and they win this one seven to three. This one started off with a bang and it just it was a nice sort of reminder of how I felt at the beginning of the season. You know, when they were against the Brewers and they start off really solid out of the gate, they take that series, and then the rest of the game they put up two in the fifth. They really felt in control this Mm -hmm. whole time, and I would say even with the Brewers, right, in that opening series for the season, Mm -hmm. it just felt like a team that was in control. There was a little bit of a struggle, obviously, with Colome giving up the lead. You kind of thought maybe it's opening season jitters, he's with a new team. Look, (laughs) you know, we'd come to find out that no, there's a little bit more to the column issues than just a opening season jitters but starting off with five runs dan and it was three to zero the other pitcher hadn't thrown 10 pitches yet dan (laughs) also some guy named vincent got the win for the twins who is this guy Okay, so th- it's interesting that you say that because I've done a little bit of digging. So for the Twins, Thank you. for the Twins, he's appeared in seven games. He has 12.2 innings pitched, and he has a .71 ERA. Well, that's so, pretty good. That is. Now, he's old. Okay, that's the first thing to note here. So baseball old, not real person old, but he's 36 oh, sure, years sure. old. 36 years old. He's played with, with several teams. So he was with the Padres. He was with the Mariners for uh, three seasons. Then he was with the Marlins. 
Marlins for 2020, and now he's been with the Twins in 2021. So the Twins are the only team that he pitched for in 2021. I don't know. If you're a team who's just looking to to pick up a guy and, and kind of take a flyer on him. Which the Twins are. They absolutely are. He's not signed for next season. I think the Twins could probably bring him back and just see if he can if he can sort of recreate this magic in spring training. Isn't that the Twins way? Right? That is very, so. yes. Very much the Twins way. But you see, Jorge Alcala got his first save of the season. Yeah. I thought we'd see more of this over the course of the year, so I'm glad that finally the Twins have come to their senses and given Jorge Alcala a save opportunity here. He struck out the side. Well, he didn't strike out the side, but he had three strikeouts in the four outs he got. You know you do wonder he might be a good candidate for a bounce back but does it really count as a bounce back if he hasn't had like a lot of success no we, to this we went over this last episode it does oh, not count that way you have to have some success to bounce back to <laughs> i think uh yes so nick gordon gonna have a bounce back season <laughs> Yeah, you didn't even mention your favorite Charlie Barnes here. Two and two no. and two thirds, two earned runs, seven hits. Perhaps the last time we'll see Charlie Barnes on the mound. That's not true. He's done pretty well at AAA. We will likely see him in a Twins uniform in the future. I'm just not convinced it's going to be as a starter. Well, anything more here on on Game Three? I don't think so. This was an enjoyable game, though. It started off nice with the Twins scoring five in the first. So I I don't mean to be negative. It's just hard when when all these other people get to be excited about their teams and they're watching with bated breath and on their edge of their seats waiting to see if their team is going to make the postseason or whether there's going to be a game 163 and what their seating will be. And so it's just hard to like really care about this Twins team right now. Again, playing the Royals in, in games that are utterly meaningless. And we've been there before, right? We've, we've been on the other side of it. So it feels a lot better to have meaningful baseball in September Pretty- than this. Yes, pretty often, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. As a Twins fan, like, yes, have we had a lot of postseason success? No, but we've at least gotten to the show, right, Dan? Yes. Well, David, I think we should move forward here to Puckett's Picks, which you barely held on. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. Yes, it was nice to know, though, going into this particular Puckett's Picks that even if the listeners won, it didn't matter. So the listeners did come away with the victory. They took Buxton, who had 12 points. I took Polanco, who had nine. And you had Sano, who had seven. Here's the thing, Dan. Can you imagine if all season looked this way? That, like, as we go through the Puckett's pick scores, that everybody is positive? What what would that even look like? I, mean, I don't most think... Of the time, most with of me the picking, lines David, like, that won't work. <laughs> no, most of the lines look like this. Sano, negative six. Polanco, 13. Oh. Buxton, 14. Then you got, this is my favorite, against the White Sox. Kepler, negative one. Arise, positive two. Polanco gets the victory with plus eight. I just think there were so many times this this season where you didn't have enough people hitting on all cylinders in the right game. Yeah, that's true, actually. I mean, that is really a testament to how inconsistently the Twins were able to field a fully healthy lineup. But really, at the end, I mean, they were kind of able to at the end of the season here, especially, I mean, because Buxton missed such a big chunk. It just showed you how yeah. crucial he was. Uh, to this lineup. So you end up winning the season with 20 wins. The listeners have 18 and I have 13 uh, with a 14 game losing streak going into 2022. Pretty impressive, Dan. Here's to hoping you can turn it around, make it a little bit more interesting next season. Thank you. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. Well, Dan, this was a pretty offensive heavy series, even in the loss. And so mm-hmm. to pick a, a beast, I think there's three viable candidates. I had Arise, Buxton, and Sano all listed. And I think I'm going to let you go first because you only have one name listed and then I'll and I'll land on my final determination here. Yeah, I'm going to go with Buxton. I mean, the guy had, he had six hits in the series. He was all over the place, multiple doubles, a home run. He got up to 19 home runs, doing all of that kind of damage at the top of the lineup that we thought possible going into this season because, you 
you know, they scored six, four, and then seven. Those are very respectable numbers with a with a better pitching staff. That's well, it, it's certainly you're going to win two out of three nearly every time in that situation, and you're going to get some sweeps in there too. Yeah, I would think so as well. Yeah, I think Buxton's probably the right choice. Arise did have seven hits though, which if nothing else is a good sort of marker to note that hey, when this guy is healthy, he's he's a deadly hitter who is nearly always going to get on base right like it just seems Mm -hmm. like more often than not yeah his on base percentage isn't about 500 i get it don't tweet at me or anything but no but it just seems like every time he's at the plate good things happen especially when he's healthy and seeing the ball well and both of those guys so buxton kept his average over 300 in the limited games uh that he played but arise nearly got back he got the 294 which this day and age a 294 average is pretty dang good agreed agreed and for him again had he been healthy no question he'd be a above 300 right Totally. And because it seems like every commentator who's been on the air with Dick Bramer has at some point said, Luis Arise is, is the kind of guy who's going to win a batting title. Somebody even said he's the kind of guy who's going to hit 3,000 hits in his career. And, you know, wouldn't that be something? That would be something to see a guy uh, do that. Was that Dick Bramer? Or was no, that it was not else? Dick Bramer. I think it okay. might have even okay. been Justin Morneau, I think. very wow. He couched it in his <laughs> very quiet, you know, whisper of a voice. But, but anyway, um, your bench? So I'm going to go with Rooker, I think. I'm not sure that he is going going to play a meaningful role on this team next season Mm. and I say that knowing full well that at the beginning of this season I predicted that he would be getting a lot of at-bats towards the end of the season granted he got a lot of at-bats don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. but maybe it's just proven that maybe he's not the guy to sort of fill in either that DH spot or a corner outfield spot he had such a great start in the minor leagues and then um, and then when they called him up there was such high hope he didn't really materialize which relates to my guy so Max Kepler is on my bench and as where he's been most of the season it feels like Uh, it wasn't great again in this series I think he only had the one hit, struck out a lot. And the issue here that I see is they don't really have a guy who can replace him automatically. I think Kirilov has a spot in this in this lineup and then this outfield next year, but he's not really replacing anybody, right? right no, now, he's like, not. like he's going in left field where you need someone. Right. And so so I do wonder what they're going to do with Kepler if maybe this was it for Kepler or if they're going to hope that he bounces back next season. No, they have him signed for a couple more years yet. There's no way that they think he's done. Well, I don't think that they think he's done. I just wonder, you know, if if they got an offer for him would they take it? I don't think so because I think he can be better. The thing is it's so hard because Gleeman wrote that article being like, you know what? No, this is kind of who he is mm-hmm. i just think he has shown that he can really be a solid hitter especially for for decent stretches of the season i just think he needs to kind of put it all together maybe he gets a little overshadowed by Sano's sort of shortcomings that we overlook max kepler but this season he has sort of looked not great at baseball dan that is a considerable shadow that miguel Sano casts <laughs> You know, with the angles just right, you know, maybe Sano's would reach out to right field like that. <laughs> He's at first base. He's got the light. You can't even see. Is Max even in right field? What's happening here? Um, let's go with our Rocco's Rewind. Rocco's Rewind. I am looking at this lineup here with game three, and I see the lineup that looks a lot like next season. And I appreciate that Rocco is trotting out a team trying to win that game 73 because <laughs> you don't want to lose 90. As we've been over this before, how, you know, it looks nicer when the first digit in the loss column is not, you know what I mean? It's not too far away from the other, from the <laughs> loss. You know, if they had seven more games, David, would they win all seven here? 
no. and then... Uh, no. <laughs> well, maybe if they were against the Royals <laughs> in Detroit, could be. <laughs> um, no, but Arise, Buxton, Polanco, Donaldson, kepler Sano, th- those six, I think, are going to be there next year. I know I just said Kepler might not be, but... And then Rooker, Gordon, and Jeffers, I think those are the questions there. You think you probably put Kirilov in there, maybe Gordon's at shortstop, and you get Garver at catcher, and I, th- yes. I like that lineup. And Jeffers on the bench, so he would still be on the roster, certainly. Batting 199. Gosh, yeah. come on, Jeffers, get one hit. Just get well, one the, hit today. The thing is, is like the only thing he has over Ben Rortvet is power. Speaking of guys not in the lineup, no Jake Cave here down the stretch. Shocking. Not in, not in this game here. Were you? Did you miss him? I did. You know, there was one thing when I was sitting here watching this game day and I thought, man, you know what this team needs? This team needs Jake Cave out in left field. I do wish that they would have put Astadio in to play every position. I think that's fun. I know the Tigers, I think Austin Romine, I think was the guy. I might have that name wrong, but somebody, the Tigers played did they against the Twins a few years ago and and I was annoyed, but now I see why they did that, right? <laughs> were the Twins good that season? Yeah, that and the Tigers about? were awful, and they thought, well, let's have some fun. Sure. Oh, anyway, man. what do you got? Uh, yeah. So uh, I just love how you're like, well, I was annoyed because the Twins were good. And now, they're bad. <laughs> now you're like, what sort of shill tactic can we use to get people to pay attention to our terrible baseball exactly. team? Um, no, so I think there was an article published uh, by Dan Hayes of The Athletic talking about there's going to be some mix-ups happening with the coaching staff. So the big takeaway from that article that I had, Dan, is that they didn't fill the bench coach mm-hmm. role after Mike Bell tragically passed away. What do you think about this? I mean, how much of this is is Rocco saying, yeah, you know, I think we need to make some changes? And how much of this is the front office saying like, hey, we have to do something because people obviously aren't happy with how the season went? If there is one takeaway from this year, it's that bench coaches matter. They do yeah. things. Because one thing that struck me in that article was the line about how Baldelli was often sitting in his office, like talking with Wes Johnson, just how to like cobble together a pitching staff until just a yeah. little bit before the, the first pitch. Like, no, I, I think the manager should be down there kind of getting ready for the game. I, yeah. I, w- I was still very surprised. I've said this before. They didn't straight up replace Mike Bell earlier in the season because it seems like, you know, they said a couple guys sharing that duty, but I think you do need one guy doing that yeah. job. Well, it wouldn't be a role otherwise right Right. like if if it wasn't meant to be filled it wouldn't exist and i think this season if you use this as a trial run as a qa you know a quality assurance to see hey can we do this without a bench coach i think the answer is clearly no yeah i think so Minnesota moment. Well, that moves into my Minnesota moment really nicely, actually. Mine is that Bill Evers, this was his final game as a coach. Now, he didn't have a ton of actual major league experience, um, but he was 19 years as a minor league manager. Uh, He had a record of 1,381 wins and 1,206 losses. Now, as somebody who has seen tens of minor league games now (laughs) in my life... And talk to a few minor league managers. That is a grinding job to be a minor league manager like that for that long. It is a, I don't want to call it thankless exactly because I think the organizations really appreciate it. But man, I mean, you are, you're churning through players. You've got guys coming up and down through your system and you are given a lot of directives of how to manage uh, because you're looking for certain, you know, you're always at the, at the whim of the organization's goals. Credit him. You know, he said how he wants to spend more time with his wife. Yeah, I would too at that point. I mean, what a grind. Yeah, that's a long time. And I do think that has to be the hardest part about being a minor league manager is just knowing that you could lose players really on a whim like you don't know when they're going to be called or taken from you and so to be successful or even moderately so I think has to be very difficult when you're constantly dealing with roster shakeup I just so I all the credit to him and how great that he got to end coaching with 
a guy like Rocco Baldelli that he managed earlier in his career. I just thought that was really cool. Cool moment for him. Um, and I'm glad that they highlighted that at the end of the TV broadcast. Well, what about you here? I'm going to say Buxton's whole series, mm-hmm. because I think this series really encapsulated what Buxton can do when he's healthy. And I think to your point, as you've said previously, this sort of series is great evidence for why the Twins should just pay the man whatever he wants to keep him on the roster. Thank you. And I don't disagree with the assumption that Buxton is a great player. He Mm -hmm. is certainly a great player. It's all about the health concerns. And so how do you manage that when you're offering the guy money? But I think for the Minnesota moment, I think that to leave this season on this high of a note from Byron's perspective has to be in his mind, hey, I've shown you. I have shown you what I can do. Pay me my money like I deserve to be paid. And I I do hope they do that. I saw an interesting tweet. I don't know who said it, but they basically said, as a fan, if the Twins pay a ton of money for Byron Buxton, it costs you exactly zero dollars. Yes, I saw that too. Okay. I understand that. I don't know that that's a great perspective. I understand that there's not like a salary cap in baseball, but there are luxury taxes to consider. And you also have to keep in mind, the Twins are never going to spend what the Yankees spend. The Twins are never going to spend what the Dodgers spend. The Twins are never going to spend what the Red Sox spend. I could go down the list. The Twins probably don't spend what what the Orioles spend on any given season. So it's one of those things where I understand what you're saying, that yes, is am I paying Byron myself? No, but you need to keep it in perspective that one move like that does have an impact on the organization as a whole. It's not like, oh, you sign him and then that's just, we're done with that. We don't have to worry about that anymore. And I and I think back to the last couple of years where, you know, where was Byron Buxton at the end of the season? He was often on the injured list. Yes. He wasn't on the active roster, so feeling pretty good about that. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. This actually kind of ties to my Mauer's Musings, too, because in watching this game, while, you know, I was one of the 15 people watching this game still, <laughs> the Twins looked energized. They looked interested in the yeah. dugout. They looked like they were excited that they were getting to play one last baseball game this season now maybe <laughs> i think the excitement was more that it's almost done <laughs> you know, man. I don't know. and they get to <laughs> they get to go on vacation now yeah. uh clean out their lockers and and watch some some good baseball maybe that's it but but i i hope that this can be something that they build <laughs> this eight out of 12 here that they've won down the stretch um do you, do you think that they do you think this is something they can build on into next season I, I hope so but at the same point i hope it has nothing to do with what happens next season mm-hmm. like i really want them to to come to the season next year just thinking hey we're a different baseball team we can be successful we have a lot of pieces on this team that have been very very important when the twins have had successful seasons so i don't really care that they use this as momentum or not i have to think not many guys are going to look back at the beginning of next season and think man remember when we finished last season <laughs> when an eight of 12 like i just don't see that i really hope that's not how they're thinking ben lieber for the vikings broadcast he made an interesting point about preseason because you know a lot of guys don't like preseason football and, and I'm one of them as a fan I don't really care to watch it I understand why it needs to be there but Lieber said one of the most important things about preseason football is to wash the taste out of your mouth if you finish the season poorly hmm. the year before mm-hmm. and I do think there's something to be said about that for spring training for the twins it's like no this is a new season we're ramping up on nothing matters that happened last season I like nothing that, that happened yeah. the previous season matters at all let's look forward let's look to 2022 let's be a successful baseball team again What's your musing, sir? Yeah, so um, here's my question for you, Dan. Mm -hmm. The Twins can only make three acquisitions in the offseason. You don't have to name players, but what what positions are you buying for? Are you going to buy three pitchers? Are you going to buy a shortstop? And just what what are you thinking here? If you can only have three acquisitions, what are you buying? Uh, Eddie Rosario, I think. I'm I'm bringing (laughs) back Eddie. I think that was a mistake to let him go. 
Um, they can <laughs> would have made all on. the difference this season. It would, <laughs> would have been. They would have had at least one cycle in there. There you go. Right? A couple yeah. wins above replacement, maybe. Uh, I didn't actually look at that data for Maddie. I don't think those two wins. It may have, it may have made the difference between getting in in fourth place in the AL Central. So I think for sure two starting pitchers I would like to see, and then probably kind of to your point before an outfielder, like somebody who can play some outfield consistently, a guy who can play all three positions and and be a, a veteran presence to step in for injuries and just for off days. Yeah, I'm going to go with three starting pitchers. I thought you might. Yeah, I, that's honestly my perspective. I think that yes, is your bullpen lacking? Certainly. Is your outfield situation in flux at best if there's any sort of injury? Yeah, but I still think the only way you're going to have a successful baseball team is if you're getting any sort of solid starting pitching. And I think getting three starters on the open market is the only real way that this team has a solid chance. Series grades. Well, this is our last series grade, David. It's yeah. And how nice here. We we agree. We David. agree, Dan. It's a B. It's, it's a, a B. B. Yeah, because I don't I don't know why exactly. They won two of three. It's not worth an A. But two of three, that seems like a good solid B, a good effort by your twins to finish out the season. And and we're gonna come back to this in our next episodes. We'll have one more season wrap episode and we'll kind of walk through all of our same segments. I think it's safe to say that my season grade will not be a B. I would uh, hope for not, this team. Dan. Yes, that would lead to certainly a Guardi's gripe, I would imagine. <laughs> if you told me that yeah i'd give him about a b i think <laughs> well and we don't have a puckets picks to go to here no um, that's weird dan but so we we have a bit of a herbie's headline i suppose in that we can talk about what's coming so baseball has avoided what have been the coolest wild card situation yes because the yankees and the red sox both won here on Sunday. So they advanced to the wild card game. There's no extra one game, game 163 or 164, which I was dreaming of that they would both lose and then the Blue Jays and the Mariners would win. But it's not to be. <laughs> not to be. Not to be. Unfortunately, you got the evil empire versus the slightly less evil empire uh, for the wild card series. Here Is the, the slightly AM. less the Boston Red Sox now? I don't. Right now they are. It's, I don't it's know. It's too hard to tell. <laughs> it is. And then in the National League, it'll be the Cardinals and the and the Dodgers playing in the wild card because the Giants held them off, which I'm excited about that. But again, two storied franchises, really. Duke and it out in the wild card. I guess only one of them gets through then. That's okay. I suppose. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Obviously, I hope the Yankees lose. I always hope the Yankees lose, Dan. Uh, well, David, I don't know where else to go here with this episode. I, that was that's, that's all I got to say. That, that's all we can do, really, Dan. Again, we can't we can't thank the listeners enough, especially those of you who have listened to every episode all season long. I just I know how hard it's been this season, folks, to watch this Twins team play in games that don't matter and just see them lose and struggle and just have to deal with so many setbacks and injuries. But so we really really appreciate it. Obviously, you're a dedicated fan of the Twins and and a, and a dedicated listener, and we we appreciate that so much we will be back next season and we'll be back next week for a season wrap sort of to close things down for the year all right well i'll send us out david if that's all right thank you sir folks if you like what you hear please tell a friend you can follow us on twitter at men for the win you can find our men for the win facebook page make sure you've subscribed to the podcast so you're notified when new episodes are available and if you could leave us a rating that would be great thank you for listening and as always go twins That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!